the four o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Rampart Racing Sportsbook here on a on a Wednesday. Adam Hill is here. Great place to hang out and watch the football games. Great beer specials during the football games. $2 drafts, $3 bottles, if I can speak. $15 on the buckets. So many good places to eat. Love the Clubhouse Deli. Was just checking out. Oh, look at this. I didn't think I'd ever say this. Their 24-hour restaurant. Ooh. How much of times changed around Las Vegas? Right? So many of the cafes and that every place used to have open 24 hours a day. So many of them didn't reopen back for 24 hours a day. A couple of my spots that were literally only known as 24-hour places. Oh, come that on. That I like to go uh, are not open 24 hours yet. Earl Grey Cafe is right here across from the sports book. Overnight, fish and chips, twelve ninety nine. I'm down with that. Breakfast specials under 11 bucks. Deuces Wild. Big country breakfast. I'm into it. Build your own burger. What is the fortress? Hello. Double-decker sandwich stacked with bacon, lettuce, tomato, turkey, ham, cheddar, and your choice of bread. Double-decker. Sounds fantastic. The fortress. Philly cheesesteak as well. But, yeah, they've got a full menu. Give you some of the items the rest of the day. But very excited about 24-hour restaurants, apparently. Who isn't? I'm we used to be the way of the world. I might move out this way. Maybe that's why both of us have cut a little bit of weight. You a lot more than me. Maybe about maybe five pounds. But we used to be uh, voracious late night eaters. Lots of options. Good specials. We need to get that back. Which part? All of it. It's well, worth the e- eating and losing weight. It doesn't really seem to work that way. Eating overnight and losing well, weight doesn't seem to work. Like I was just work. thinking that that fortress. I was like, hmm, I wonder if you get it with no bread. And then they're like, yeah, it's just not as good. Oh my god! They're, 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 <laughs> back in the old, there's like different generations. Uh, and I just almost said back in the old days like a jackass. Um, but we we had honed in on several overnight pasta specials, oh, which, yeah. again, is not is not good for stripping weight or staying in any kind of condition. But, my God. But it's good for happiness. Uh, like a big CD at 1 o'clock in the morning from a local place? I know, I know of one right now. Can't freaking. Oh, they still have it? I, I want to go get it. I'm out. You can't. you got to stay disciplined. <laughs> and of course, that said, if you listen to me, I all I do is uh, – Drink beer and talk about beer specials, so that ain't helping either, right? <laughs> no. At least I'm truthful, okay? <laughs> at least I'm, at least I'm truthful. Uh, Urban Meyer, I come on. Your reaction was my reaction on this one about yeah. the USC job opening up. What uh, do we got here? His quote was, "No chance that he's interested." Quote, "No chance," and everybody ran with that. I saw some headlines that said, "Well, I guess this solves that." Uh, literally, when I said he, I saw he said no chance. I was like, "When is the press conference?" Like he's clearly going now. This is silly. I mentioned it last week for you know for old buffs of the NFL, and we we know the real deal now on Lou Holtz over the years, kind of a charlatan. Lou Holtz tried the NFL. He looked around. He's like, you know, this thing's working for me, <laughs> and he bailed on the Jets. And it was men yeah. of many voices today. Yeah. And I could see Urban Meyer very easily doing that. Saban going did one it and too. Done with the Jaguars and just going, this ain't for me. Saban did it too. And by, and by the way, it. 
The other crazy thing is, as it turned out now, I, I can't remember what Saban got, you know, going from the Dolphins to Bama. Urban Meyer might get his salary doubled to go to USC. I want to watch this. Uh, I think it debuts tomorrow. I'm not sure. The Nick Saban football life. Because I, I read a story on it. And I haven't seen what exactly he said. I want to see what he says exactly. But the story that I read, as soon as I read it, I was like, yeah, this is what we've said about all these guys. What he said was, I went to Miami. I really wanted Drew Brees. We tried to get him. Didn't get him. And I was like, that's it. I'm out. So if you can't get every amazing player like you do at Alabama, yeah. that's it. But we've said this about these guys all the time. It started, do you know where I am at UConn? If he wasn't getting every amazing player, he wouldn't be what he is. Nick Saban in Alabama? Yeah, you need to get every five-star player to have a program like that. And that's what they do. They get it. Dabo. Like, that's what these guys – these guys are in that position where they just get every single player. And, yeah, that's part of the job. But Saban goes to the NFL, can't get, can't get the player he wants, and he's like, all right, that's it. I'm going to college. I can get every guy I want there. Okay. Boy, oh, boy. Should the Browns really plan on – Beckham being part, like a real contributor to this team, or just target the second half. <laughs> I think right? so. He's already ruled out this week. Well, he—I mean, he hasn't been overly productive since he got to Cleveland. It, it, the system before wasn't overly conducive to him and his skill set. Now I think it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe they should have it in their mind. Like whenever we get him, we get him, and, and you go forward. I think that's what most teams do. That's what the Raiders talked about today. Of hey, you lost this guy, this guy, and this guy. Like okay, keep going. Now, it's easy to say that, and then it's hard to actually put it in play. But I think every team is in that position of can only count the guys you know are going to be there, and they don't know OBJ is going to be there for a while. But I would say there's there's some encouraging moments for his future potentially in the game from Sunday, uh, mostly because of a guy named Anthony Schwartz. And I don't think most people know who that is, except if you follow the combine closely, he absolutely blew the combine away. He is a track star that doesn't know how to play football, but he is a wide receiver in the NFL because he's so fast and the he was playing obj's position and they used him and i think a lot of people around the browns were saying man imagine when it's an actual receiver running those routes that he was running this offense is going to be incredibly dynamic so if they get him on the field and in that spot yeah i think that there's a lot of reason to be hopeful for that uh, but in the end they, they do have a guy in anthony schwartz that they like and he has so much speed that He's overcoming the fact that he can't run a route. The Bills have become the fourth team with some sort of vax policy. Bills, Raiders, Saints, Seahawks. The Raiders are the most controversial one. There were protesters out in front of the alley the other day. Raiders are fully vaxxed or no dice, or you can get stuck at the stadium. You can get a shot at the stadium. You wear a yellow armband or whatever wristband, and you got a mask up. It sounds like the Bills are doing something pretty similar. I don't think there's an option for the unvaxxed, except if you show up and you want to go to the game, then you you got to get a shot. Yeah. Boy, how is upstate New York going to react to that? Look at the smile on your face. So happy. They're going to flip out. I get. And the other thing is very similar to what you – I remember you telling us, was it the Seahawks preseason game, right, that this was going to be really big. The way the fans handled masking up was going to be really big. And it sounds like in Buffalo, for game one, they have an indoor. You know, while you're outside, you were fine. But indoor, you had a mask up, and I guess they just couldn't get people to mask up. Now they're saying that's not why they now went next level and they're requiring you to be fully vaxxed. Well, they're requiring at least one shot. 
Right. And you'd have to show proof of at least one shot or fully vaxxed. Uh, so who knows if it was a chicken and the egg deal, but in Buffalo, now they're making them do it. So uh, those fans, I mean, we know there's been, obviously, there's different factions on the team about being vaxxed and not being vaxxed. By the way, it's absolutely why. Like, th- this is what happens. They put, because it, it drives me nuts when people say, oh, no, they're changing. No, they're giving people the chance. Here we go again. They're giving people it's a chance. You. Yeah. It's you. So the bill said, okay, here's how we're going to do this. Right. There are inside areas. You have to wear a mask. Outside, you don't have to. All you got to do, do is mask All you got to do is mask And up. if everybody does that, yep. then it's going to be fine for the rest yep. of the year. But, but guess what? They don't yep. because they're clowns. And, and all of them, no. But trust me, enough of them, and I've been around them, and if you don't say anything to the idiots, you're also an idiot. And so that's what happened. They did this to themselves, and that's where they are. And by the way, Good job, Bills. And here's the here's another scenario. I have already reached out to a friend and said, "Hey, listen, the Bills have a home game when the Raiders have an off week. I may go now." Are you gonna, which uh, when is it? Halloween. Oh, okay. That'll be interesting. Yeah, that'll be a good show. I'm in. You want a vax policy? I'm in. What is a double nut shot? No one loves Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers together more than Adam Hill. I get texts all the time about how great these spots are. So I guess. Rodgers is like, yeah, he kind of plays it on the straight and narrow most of the time with everyone else. Man, he gets in there with Pat McAfee and his old teammate, A.J. Hawk, and it is just unplugged time. I do want to talk about the first one, though. I don't like to make a lot of excuses for interceptions. You know, there's some ones. There's some, you know, ones you wish you had back. There's some ones that really aren't your fault. That one was entirely due to the double nut shot I took. (laughs) (laughs) All right, keep going. What is that? And right before I'm throwing it, I took a left kind of clothesline that, you know, A.J. Hawk or Brady Papanga clothesline, and somebody on the right, uh, double nut shot that, uh, you know, I guess I got to overcome that and throw a better ball. <laughs> that, was, that was a painful one. I, I do uh, – they got their money's worth on that one. All right, a couple of things here. Is he saying that he got hit on both sides of the groin? He took- is, he, is he suggesting that his groin is so big – that it's a, a massive target. Do we have to go back to talking about Brian Blessing wearing his wallet in his front pocket? I, I'm still off on that one, too. They the got into a little bit of the, the second one okay. of, of your three scenarios. Okay. Of uh, Aaron Rodgers said he wore a cup when he was a, 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 like a high schooler. Yeah. His first game, he's like, nah, I'm out. Not doing this anymore. And uh, they went into the jokes. Yeah, he couldn't of, go the George Can't find a, can't find a big enough cup, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so all those they things. They are uncomfortable. But I'll tell you what's even more uncomfortable, getting a double nut shot. Right. And throwing an interception because of it. Uh yeah, he, he basically said two different guys hit him in that area at the same time, and he couldn't overcome it. He just, in so much pain, he just kind of flipped the ball out there. Uh, if I'm a defense, I'm I'm targeting it. Is yeah, that what maybe you're doing now? You're right, maybe too much information. Yeah. I Upper think body, sharing. lower body. You got you to keep secrets on uh, your weak points. Yeah, you're sharing too much out there, Aaron. I, I wouldn't do this anymore. Now, I will say. I love the Lions on Monday. I don't know if. I, don't I know love if, the Lions. I don't know if you got through the full uh, 37 minutes or whatever. Is he really on for 37 like minutes? Yeah. That's kind of awesome. Uh, they Because McAfee, at one point, he goes, hey, listen, I'm going to ask you the questions everybody wants to ask. And like I'm not gonna. this is not going to be a cupcake interview every week. And Roger's like, yeah, that's why I come on here. We're fine. But then they got disconnected, and McAfee goes, ah, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot to ask. Get him back on. So they get him really? back on. And as he's connecting, McAfee says what he's going to ask him. And then Rodgers disconnects. No. So, could be technical because there is a lot of technical issues. They, You would love that part of the show where they just flip out about Wi-Fi signals. And they sent Aaron Rodgers a, bu- a bunch of equipment. They're like, get it together with the Wi-Fi, bro. 
So they sent him a uh, bunch Rogers of equipment. Rogers has crappy Wi-Fi. And a light. They sent him a light this week. Uh, so they were like, they're like, get, I do get like it that stuff. Uh, but they were going to ask, how did you feel about being replaced by Jordan Love in the game? And uh, Rogers hung up. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune up today by calling 577-2600. Not that I can think of right now because he has so many, but there are a few I like. And um, he always talking about touch D's or, 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 you know, uh, on these or all that. Uh, I don't know how to follow that one up, but um, hanging at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook, it's Cofield and Company. Geez, everyone's talking like a pig out here, huh? We were just discussing uh, nut shots, and uh, yesterday uh, or two days ago, Ryan Harris challenged us to challenge us to uh, wipe with a different hand. So I was talking about uh, trying that out, and now we got Saban. We're hearing more and more of these stories about these nuts. Yeah. Saban sounds like kind of a weirdo. Like, how many times are you going to do it, bro? Well, it's, it sounds to me I mean, like... It sounds funny because it's Saban. Right. But, like, is it habitual behavior that he's always talking about it? Like, enough. Well, it sounds like there was a class of players at Alabama a couple of years ago who, where this was very popular with them. And this was his way of, like, relating. Like, oh, I get this joke. All right. I you know I don't get their music or their movies or, but I get this joke. I'm gonna relate to them, and they're probably like, "Yeah, this was funny like 12 years ago." Yeah. Caleb Herring's with us, former college football player, calls the games for the Rebels. Caleb, did you ever ever coach maybe a position coach where you're like, "Coach, eh, you're trying too hard, bro. Cut it out." Wait, wait, I missed that. What what did you say? You you led me in and I missed it. Well, so Saban apparently is doing the D's nuts all the time. And I was saying, and Adam was saying, uh, you know, it's, it's a little past its prime. Like, did you ever have a coach who's, you know, older? Obviously, all coaches are older. When you're in college where at some point the players are like, yeah, you're like, you're trying too hard here. You don't have to be our pal that much. Yeah, I no, I do. I, I've had that before. And I don't know. I think Jim and Hurt, I don't know if, if Saban's really going around saying he's nuts. He's, he doesn't need to be doing that. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, his character matches with the D's nuts joke. Uh, but I've had it before where it's like, Coach, you're not cool. We like you as the tough guy. You, you don't have to be the nice guy. You don't have to be fun. We just want you to be our football coach. We honestly don't want to hang out with you. So just, just coach us, and that's, that'll be good. So I guess how difficult is it when, you know, it's one thing when you're a kid and you're, you know, you're trying to figure it out and everything. But as you look back and as you think about it now, how difficult is it for coaches who are older by nature to relate to kids? Because you have to relate, but you can't be them. It's, it's a really weird line. I think you relate in, in common places. And I think as a coach, the common place is football, right? And I think if you can relate football-wise, like where you understand the, the youth as far as football goes, that's enough. I, I think in most cases, you can be your genuine self in, in, in off-the-field areas. Um, don't be a, 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 you know, a stickler or, or you know, so tight that you can't laugh and joke when something you actually think is funny is funny. Um, I think most coaches and most people involved in sports have a sense of humor at some level. Um, you just kind of got to get past and get comfortable with each other. But I think you relate in ways that are genuine and real. And I think that the easiest way to relate is on the football field. And that's kind of where it starts. And then you kind of you know, filter out to the rest of life when, if you need to, 
uh, to make uh, deeper connections. But for the most part, I think you just focus on football and you, you connect there. And, like, you know, watching maybe not just at practice or, you know, in game situation, but watching the game together and, and laughing at, you know, that whatever blooper happened in, in last night's game or somebody messed up with and you can relate that way, and then you sort of form the bond around that. I think it's cheesy when coaches try so hard to, to be something they're not. I just can't picture Nick Davis saying these nuts. And I, if he did, it would probably be the funniest thing I've seen. But I just can't picture it. It would catch me so off guard. But if it wasn't genuinely him, I, I, I don't think people would buy into it. UNLV hosting Iowa State this weekend. Really interesting scenario unfolding. We don't know if starter Doug Brumfield is going to play quarterback. I believe they're going to start looking at multiple options behind him. What do you think, Caleb? What if they don't have Brumfield? Where do they go? I think you you know you've you've had the Justin Rogers experiment experiment now for a couple of games, and you know game one, um, uh, you know like you said, obviously uh, Brumfield's health is, is a concern, and and that I was evident in the fact he didn't return to the game. Those reps, it's not like the game was decided at the point that he went out. If he was able to come back out, he probably would have. Um, but I think, you know, you've had the Rodgers experiment. You've had, you know, some series where the offense just doesn't, for whatever reason, one reason or another, another it doesn't produce with Rodgers at the helm. Um, and if you want to figure out your quarterback position, if, if Brumfield's not available and he's not the guy due to health reasons, I think you have to look at all options on the roster. And that goes to true freshman Cameron Friel. That goes to, you know, the walk-on uh, transfer that, that just came through the door that a lot of fans are excited to see with Tate Martell kind of waiting in the wing, kind of unsure as to where, where he is, his, his playbook knowledge, his, his health and his availability. But I think that the, the options are all open. It's wide open um, for the coaching staff to make that decision and, and to kind of uh, use those resources to, to, to best figure out what to do if Brumfield's not available. I think the, the, the obvious answer right now, at least in the immediate, is a healthy Doug Brumfield is the option. I think he's who you build around. But it doesn't seem like And based on the way that game went and the, the shots that Doug was taking – um, and, and the shot that actually caused him to leave the game, I, I, I don't think that his health is right now 100%, and I don't know if the coach's staff is willing to put him out there at, at 70 to 75%. So I think all the options in the toolbox are open right now, and I wouldn't be surprised about any of them, honestly, if I was looking at this game. It, it, it's basically back to square one, where the quarterback is now another big question mark again. Would opponent factor into your decision of who plays quarterback? Meaning, listen, I, I don't think we're breaking any ground saying nobody thinks they're going to win this game. So, you know, does that play in and say, hey, why are we going to risk somebody's health potentially for a game that probably won't be able to win anyway? And how much do we want to see of young players knowing, like, what what they're up against in this game? Yeah, I think that, that 100% goes into it when you're talking about uh, kind of sending out an, a wounded duck, so to speak, if, if you if you put it that way, that, and throwing them out to the Lions and, you know, a top 10 opponent who's coming off of a, rivalry loss and they're going to be really anxious to hit somebody coming into Allegiant Stadium so why why set your quarterback up for that or potentially set your quarterback up for that um, if that's the case if he's not 100% so yeah that that is a factor and um, then also you put it into the factor where maybe you have a young guy that you want to see but do you really want to put the young guy out there against those same odds where it's like you know he might get you know some devastating blows or he might not quite understand how to protect himself in certain situations so Maybe we don't want to put him out there either. So you kind of go with the steady hand to guide the ship in the meantime. And I think, if anything, I think Justin Rogers is that. I think uh, um, he's shown that he has poise. He's comfortable in the pocket. He's comfortable with pressure. He can take some hits because of his size. And even though he's had some health concerns too in his short time at UNLV. But 
I think he's more com- confident in you know the, the system around him to be able to protect himself um, through the game plan and with blocking schemes and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, there's definitely that aspect of the competition uh, or, excuse me, the position where you decide based on the competition level. I'm not going to send my guy out there if, if Doug Brumfield is, and it would be my opinion that Doug is the guy, I'm not going to send him out there basically to slaughter if he's limping around, not 100%, not able to protect himself because his health is, is, is making him vulnerable at this time. So, yeah, that definitely plays a part in the decision. Caleb Herring with us. He'll be back on a little later on ESPN Las Vegas starting at 630 with the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show tonight. It's every Wednesday, 630 at Parkway Tavern on the south side of town by the M uh, on Volunteer. Uh, you got happy hour going on right now down there and every day at Parkway Tavern between 3 and 6, and they've got uh, great game day specials as well that we'll get into, uh, including $5 domestic drafts. All right, I know one of the things uh, we'll probably talk to Marcus Arroyo about is his receivers in the game against Arizona State. And I know you wanted to talk about, you know, tight coverage. Receivers can help the quarterback by playing with a different sort of mindset. Uh, ASU was draped all over the receivers. The receivers have to do something to counter that, right? Yeah, and there's, there's you know, one of two ways you can do it. You can be physical in return. I think you can, you know, if you have the size, and, you know, you, you're strong enough to do it. The refs, a lot of times when there's physical play between receiver and DB and they, the officials can see it's man coverage, there's a different allowance, so to speak, of physicality. And some of the young guys were experiencing that. They're looking around for flags when, you know, the, the tight coverage is tight. But the refs will let you push back. You, know, you see it all the time in the pros when there's more man coverage. There's a lot of hand fighting that goes on before the ball's thrown. And I think uh, young receivers probably don't realize that. They're just trying to focus on running the route. But there's a level of physicality I think you need to meet man-to-man coverage with that, that is required and allowed as a receiver. And then second, just the technique in running routes. It's a different concept. Say you're running a deep crossing route um, versus zone coverage. You're just looking for the windows. It's free release. Quarterback kind of can see and anticipate where you're going to be open, um, and it's easier to make that connection. But against man coverage, you can't just run across the field in a straight line, and the guy's just going to follow you. You're not open in that case, right? The quarterback can't decide to throw that ball. There's techniques that I've talked about it before, and you and I, Steve, in years past, have talked the stair step when you're running dragging routes or things like that. A simple definition of a route that creates separation gives your quarterback confidence that when he hits that jab, he's going to create a, a brief moment of separation. It's just human nature. It's the laws of physics. There's no way a defender can stay glued to you during that stair step for the entire time. And and that separation, that little separation, is all the window that accurate quarterbacks need to complete that pass. And it's not just, you know, for UNLV, it's at all levels. When going up against man coverage, you have to understand that when you're running routes, the difference between running one versus man and running one versus zone, it, it, it pays dividends. And I, I didn't see that from UNLV in the receiver core, at least early, and I think you can pretty much say for the second half as well, against tight man coverage and with that experience bunch at Arizona State. You know, I thought the defensive line did a really, you know, good job for much of the game in both of the uh, opening games, Eastern Washington and Arizona State, but middle of the field was a bit of an issue with running quarterbacks. What did you see? Uh, was that a scheme thing? Was that selling out to you know make sure you're covering the receivers and uh, you're blanketing uh, Rashad White out of the backfield? There was a there was a lot of room for Arizona State's Jaden Daniels. Yeah, there was, and I think it was a little bit of both. I think that's a, it was a testament more, to, in my opinion, to the coverage down the field. I think if there's space for the quarterback to run, whether it's man or zone, that means there's not a lot of space for receivers to get open. And you saw a lot of those runs by Jane Daniels weren't really designed runs. He's dropping back looking to try to complete a pass, and everybody's covered well. Uh, defensive line, in that case, 
had to do a better job of maintaining their rush lanes and, and not getting too far upfield and, and caving the pocket a little cleaner. Um, but, you know, that's, I think it's a testament to the secondary focusing in on covering receivers downfield, which is been the problem for UNLV more often than not was the secondary. Those, those type of, you know, dropbacks where the quarterback has all day to throw, he finds a receiver more often than not. I think so that was probably why those scrambles were for such big chunks of yardage last week. And that's, I think that was more devastating. It's not like he was scrambling getting four or five yards. He was scrambling for a first down just about every time he tucked in a run. And that's just how much space was left in the secondary for, for guys focusing on covering downfield. So it, it's something that you want to keep in the secondary. Like you hate for you know guys to get too anxious to come up and stop the quarterback run to where they leave guys open for right. touchdowns, a la you know, Jonathan Abrams and Travis Kelsey with the Chiefs last year with the Raiders. Like that, that's a coverage breakdown that leads to a touchdown for a scrambling quarterback. So there's a fine line there, but I think it starts with defensive line being a little bit more disciplined in their rush and their gaps on, on pass rushes and, and, and focusing on squeezing that pocket close instead of just opening up big alleys for the quarterback to escape through. Caleb, I know you like sports radio. You love uh, TV debates. You love embrace debate. What do you think about what's going on right now, this building storyline that they're developing with Keyshawn Johnson and Stephen A. arguing over if Derek Carr is elite? <laughs> I, I love I love the <laughs> fact that it's such a different perspective, right? It's, you know, the former player, player wide receiver at a high level, and I love, you know, Stephen A., that, that's always going to be borderline obnoxious and, and, and very flamboyant with his point of view. Uh, but I, I love the disagreement. I, I, for, I'm going to say this, and I don't always, because I, I listen to Keyshawn in the morning, uh, I don't always agree with him. So I'm going to get that out of the way. But I completely agree with him about Derek Carr being elite. And I think, you know, it's a matter of how you define elite and how you watch the game. I've never watched individual players from a team perspective, right? I can, I can decipher that a great player, especially in football, a great player could just be misfortunate and be on a bad team. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has missed the playoffs before. Nobody's ever questioned how elite he is, right? You know, guys like Matthew Stafford, who have not really been playoff figureheads and not really achieved success as far as team success, they can still be considered elite, great quarterbacks. I think Derek Carr, for what he does and how he impacts the game from getting the plays called, the right plays, uh, completion percentage, accuracy, the, the that throw that he made to win the game, I defy a lot of people to go try to make that throw off that back foot as accurate as he did down the field. And he's not perfect. But, I mean, those kind of things that he's able to do that we've seen in flashes from him throughout his career, I think put him into that category. And it's not to say he's a GOAT. There's that conversation where you got Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady dominating that conversation. But there's another tier below GOAT where it's like these guys produce winning situations for your team. I think their car fits in that. I think he just hasn't had the best situations in his time as the Raiders um, to be able to show that as far as team accomplishments. But I think Derek Carr's in the conversation for elite quarterback. And uh, you can look at it with the stats, and I'm just looking at it with the eyeball test. His impact on that game was, was, was very, very much present. And I think he, he, he has been performing at an elite level for quite some time. Might be another good topic tonight on uh, the Marcus Oreo radio show. You guys get going talking about quarterbacks, and it's fascinating stuff. So we'll save it for then. I'll see you in a couple hours, okay? All right, I'll see you, buddy. There he is, Caleb Herring. He didn't say goodbye to you. I don't think he's buddies with you. That's unfortunate. I'm sad. I mean, pretty, I truly you're pretty am. tight normally. He just forgot. He, he, it was a little gaffy. He forgot about you. Well, yeah. He yeah. should have said buddies. See you, buddies. That would have been better. Yeah. Although I, I want to be included and have you not included. 
Yeah. Parkway Tavern uh, every Wednesday at a different location. There's two locations. There's more than that in town. But two locations, they rotate the Arroyo Show. Uh, Flamingo 215. Tonight, though, is down by the M, Volunteer. Relatively new location. We were down there, uh, you know, kind of finishing, putting the finishing touches on the place. But really cool location. Um, like I said, happy hour down there is going on from 3 to 6, midnight to 3. You know, come down 3 to 6. Uh, you can watch the show at 6.30 as the coach will be on the scene as we talk UNLV football for an hour starting at 6.30 right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes. And suddenly you're sighing, sighing. Man, oh man. Food pictures on the internet can turn into a disaster. Especially when people intentionally put up food that's going to get people worked up that may not look that good. So, at the Met Gala, which by the way, I guess it's turned out to be bigger headlines around uh, Nicki Minaj, but we can get to that another time, maybe on a podcast. Who's Kiki Palmer? I don't. Know. Is that is that even the way you say it? I don't know who that is. Sure. Okay. I'm, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a fan. So uh, Met Gala, they had food, right? Marcus Samuelson was the guy in charge of it. I don't know if you have, you watch a, a lot of the chef shows. Marcus Samuelson is a pretty famous celebrity chef and really nice guy. Great story and cool dude. So I'm a little disappointed he's getting beat up here. Um, they helped select ten up and coming chefs who created the Met Gala menu. Uh, Kiki Palmer put out a picture of the food, and immediately people started saying, it looks like they're feeding y'all like it's the fire Festival, which, give me a break. The fire Festival was like, you know, Wonder Bread and Cheese Sandwiches. It was, that was that was really bad. I think this is more about presentation. Uh, Ari, if you can, tweet out this picture, because everyone loves to follow our uh, radio talking about pictures, right? Uh, so people can see what this looked like. I mean, it does, it's a little mishmash. The presentation's not very good. But as Marcus Samuelson described, it was barley topped with roasted mushrooms, tomato salad, corn, and zucchini slices. Uh, it was also the goal of this whole thing was they were trying to create a sustainable plant-based menu. So yeah. lots of fruits and, and veggies. Yeah. It doesn't look fantastic. I bet you it was really good. If I it bet was you fresh, it tasted great, yeah. yeah. Um, but it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't look tasty. Not a lot of it. And as somebody said, it's clearly the kind of place that you would you eat before you go there. Like you're not going there for the food, but if you're paying fifty thousand a plate, <laughs> you should, you should probably something expect decent. something decent. Yes. Uh, dessert was an apple topped with chocolate mousse. Sounds good. I saw donuts. Uh, they also had, uh, I guess, six different hors d'oeuvres. Uh, selections total and a watermelon pumpkin salad. Here we go with the pumpkin. It's that time of year. Did you watch John Oliver this week? Not yet. Oh, I won't ruin it for you. Okay. Apparently, uh, one of the seltzer companies is out with a pumpkin spice seltzer. Oh, no, I'm in. And, I, I want oh, you it. are? Yeah, I want it. Uh, well, I don't want to ruin it for you. I just, I was actually kind of excited. Uh, you know when they, they'll do the, uh, thank you, T-Pain. They'll do kind of the hellish voice guy who's always mad at like news anchors and stuff sure and we actually got to see the guy he got very upset I'll, that's all I'm, I'm gonna leave <laughs> okay. it at that okay, he good. actually walked out he walked out of the recording studio crying I'm in and now. it was all watch. over the pumpkin spice seltzer but like you I think I'm in too oh yeah all right we gotta try it in the next try. couple days right we'll sure. pick it up sure we're in yeah I think the uh going with the 
no carb, low calorie alternative to beer is probably not the best for a fat pack. Uh, you know, it, this is all about. It could be disgusting eating. It could be same with sustainable. Eating, it could be healthy eating. Sustainable plant based. Yeah, we have plates. We haven't used sustainable plant based a lot no. in the fat pack. No, it's, it's, it doesn't. The slicer, fit. the slicer does not slice sustainable Plus mushrooms. Do you? You could. I'm not a mushroom guy. Oh, That's why I didn't delicious. like. Last week we talked about the Jaden Daniels uh, Arizona State quarterback pizza, and he ruined it with the mushrooms at the end. And then oh. forget the olives. Let's not get into that again. Mushrooms and olives. You are and your cauliflower pizza with a whole can of sliced olives on it is one of the worst things I've ever heard. Delicious of. pizza. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. This traffic report is brought to you by the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa. Back to the Rampart Race and Sportsbook. It's Cofield and Company. You know, we're doing that pick'em contest uh, up on our website. Get a trip to Hawaii if you finish with the most wins. Uh, the staff, all in it. Uh, not Adam Hill, but Adam Candy and Willie and Ari and myself. I went 8-8. Eight and eight. Ari came in all braggadocious on Tuesday, went 11-5. and five. By the way, your, uh, your Sunday morning pick of the week, ugh. Over Atlanta Philly loss. If you would have told me that Philadelphia mine, my, scored 32 points, I would have bet a million right? dollars. Mine was game. Bears plus eight and a half. That sucked. So we're not off to a good start. No. Uh, they got the Beat the Bookie contest here at Rampart Race and Sportsbook. And the guy who runs the place, Dwayne Colucci, he's up with Cofield and Company. What's up, Dwayne? How you, go, how you doing, guys? Eh, not that good. We had, we had some bad picks last week. Did you, uh, did you get beat or did the uh, bookie win? I think I only had eight, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, it was a rough week. I took some chances. You know, that's just uh, all in fun. But even on the uh, and the games I gave out on other uh, radio broadcasts, I think I split because I love Buffalo, and uh, they, they just really didn't show up, guys. I was surprised that they were just throwing the ball time after time after time, and giving up some easy opportunities. And, uh, you know, I did have a couple other picks that were somewhat solid. I mean, I really like the Broncos. But, uh, you know, it was a rough week overall, and I think I had eight wins and beat the bookie, which is uh, not all that great so without the point spread. I put Buffalo in the, the you know, kind of the new thing with a lot of people now is that two-team teaser where you're teasing through the key numbers of seven and three. So I right. lost my teaser there. How big are those teasers getting? Uh, you know, how much of a liability is it for sportsbooks? Well, you know, definitely the uh, Sharps are looking for any edge they could get, Steve. So, yeah, it definitely it becomes a liability. You don't see them all that much, but, you know, it is now when you're going through the key numbers been a factor. So we keep an eye on it at both the Rampart and the South Point, and it is a unique bet. You know, the in-game wagering keeps our hands full as well. That's definitely an advantage for the player. I say that time and time again. You know, you do have to lay the big big when you're dealing with uh, at least with the teasers. But when you're dealing with the in-game, it's very tough as bookmakers to make all these lines on the fly and be consistent without having, you know, one or two flaws. But definitely we want the uh, players to have as much fun as possible and have as many betting options as possible at the Rampart and South Point. We got through our first game here in Las Vegas with the NFL, with fans, with people coming into town to go to the game. Uh, what did that look like at the sports book? Were, were people flocking to watch? Were people lining up at the windows to bet it? How'd that work out? 
Yeah, it worked out great, I'll be honest with you. And we have a hot seat that anybody who's playing the machine when the Raiders finish off the ball game and actually win, who's at a, a, any machine in the casino, you got some free slot play. So that's nice. a great promotion that we run at the Rampart Casino. And the sports book itself was just off the hook. The whole bar in the race at sports book was packed. You know, we got the new uh, street taco stand that was going off. Uh, we had a lot of good things. We had Bob Golick signing autographs. We had a memorabilia stand. So the book was off the hook. And just when the Raiders won, you know, my supervisors told me it was just crazy in there. So, you know, I'm just hoping that this does not become a trend where the Raiders keep crushing, guys, because then it becomes the bookmaker like uh, with the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Las Vegas right. public. So, you know, I, I think that was two mediocre teams. I, I don't, I'm not sold on the Raiders yet, guys. Uh, let's start looking ahead. Dwayne Colucci's with us. He runs things here at the uh, Rampart Racing Sportsbook. We're out here until 6 o'clock with the live show, Cofield and Company, on the scene. Man, there's so many games. Week two is great. There's so many games you look at, and you're like, whoa, okay, this number's kind of interesting. Man, the Giants look dreadful, Dwayne, and yet they're only getting, <laughs> they're only getting three and a half against the football team, and that's with Taylor Heineke. Yeah, the football team, though, is pretty solid on the defensive side of the ball, whereas the Giants, you know, Daniel Jones, still an enigma. You know, he's not that accurate. I keep telling people this. Saquon Barkley, you know, he's coming along from that injury a little slower than people anticipated. We opened the game at four with Henneke, uh, the football team minus four, sitting at three and a half now at the Rampart and the South Point. So we're seeing a little giant money, which is understandable, but they're playing on the road. It's the dreaded NFC East. I mean, look at the, the slate this week, guys. Look at how many road favorites you have, and uh, that's very interesting as well. But uh, this is a competitive game. I would probably lay off it from a handicapping standpoint. If I had to bet, I would pick Washington. I like the home team, uh, you know, and especially if it hits the key number of three, which we may see with a lot of giant money coming in at both the point and uh, the rampart. Anything's possible, guys. Is Jameis Winston going next level now with the Saints and Sean Payton? Are the Saints for real? They're uh, three, three and a half at Carolina. Yeah, Kamara's very solid, and, you know, Winston looked great. He uh, didn't even have, I don't believe, what, 200 yards, guys, but he did have, like, five touchdowns. He was impeccable, and, you know, he was just dealing with perfection. Whereas, was it maybe the Packers, though? Are they a different team now? Does Aaron Rodgers have a different mindset? I really don't know. They didn't play in the Superdome, so that was a credit. Winston was ultra-accurate. I'm not sold just because I think Carolina played a solid game against the Jets. Donald didn't look that bad. Uh, I want to see a little more from the Saints, but that was very impressive. Anytime you shellac Aaron Rodgers like that and shut all those weapons down, you have to give a lot of credit. Seeing good two-way action thus far on that game. Solid opener of three and a half, sitting at three and a half right now. Like I said, road favorite again, New Orleans over Carolina. You mentioned uh, the Saints shellacking the Packers a little bit, beating them up. Uh, what have you seen from people uh, dealing, dealing with the Packers this week? A double-digit favorite after the way they played last week seems crazy, but Packers over the Lions, we know what the Packers have done to them traditionally. We know that Aaron Rodgers will probably bounce back. Yeah, definitely, guys. You know, you're going back home, and this Detroit team, I mean, they looked so bad. And they got, I guess, lucky because San Francisco kept turning the ball over late. But they were even in a position to tie that game. So, you know, Detroit, no new coaching. Jared Goff looked really good. He outgrew most of the superstars. He had a high, uh, you know, yard total this week. 
I want to see this game play out because I would never lay double digits coming off that game with the Packers, but they are returning home, and I think Detroit is really a bad team. So, uh, Adam, I think definitely Green Bay does have a chance. Rodgers will not make a fool out of himself, regardless of if he wants to play in Green Bay or not. He has to showcase himself. He wants to be up there with Mahomes and Brady and those guys. So right here is a point to uh, right the ship. Uh, Seahawks went on the road last week, looked really good against the Colts. Uh, the Titans looked horrific at home against the Cardinals. They match up laying less than a field goal with the Seahawks. Yeah, definitely. You know, they have to improve, you would think, Tennessee. Uh, the Seahawks now would, uh, opened up five and a half, sitting at five and a half again. Uh, you know, a game that's not moving. We're getting good two-way action at the Rampart and South Point. Uh, Henry, uh, he has to run the ball. We know that for Tennessee to be really exciting. But they have Jones now who could open it up. It was more a Tannehill that looked really pathetic. And I think that coaching staff definitely will be making some changes. They're going to try and really put some pressure on Russell Wilson. Wilson looked fabulous again. I mean, that wide receiving core, the running backs were doing the right things. This is one of the toughest places to play on the road. So Tennessee is in a tough position unless they could get that long ball going and then establish the run. That was a a low for, like I think, out of the last 50 games that Henry had played. It was a low rushing total. So he was shut down. I want to see if Seattle's defense could replicate that. It's going to be a tough game on the road for Tennessee. Dwayne Colucci is with us. On uh, on that note, we'll let you run, but tell people about Beat the Bookie. Uh, great specials here. You got two bucks on the drafts, three on the bottles, fifteen dollar buckets during football games, and I know you got a bunch going on for Thursday, Sunday, and Monday games. Oh yeah, definitely. And don't forget, any time that you make a ten dollar parlay card, you get into our halftime drawing on Monday night, guys. And the first place prize for that is seven hundred and fifty dollars in cash. We give away then also two large sums of free slot play. So three names are called. All you have to do is make a $10 parlay card from Thursday in between Sunday. And also, you know, remember to activate your tickets at one of our kiosks. And the deli is off the hook. Buffet is open. Only Buffet and Summerlin. Make a $50 parlay card, and I'll give you $5 off the Sunday brunch buffet or a selection of some chicken fingers, burgers, or a hot dog at our fabulous deli. So, you know, Steve, Adam, come on down. You guys know it. You guys are there. I'm unfortunately off on Wednesday, so I can't <laughs> join you guys. But come out. I'll buy you lunch. You know that. It's an awesome time at the Rampart, especially Saturdays and Sundays. You're speaking our language. Dwayne, have a good day off. We'll talk to you, buddy. Uh, thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure to be on with you guys. There he is, Dwayne Colucci, running things here at the Rampart Racing Sportsbook. All right, we're going to talk uh, more Raiders football in the 5 o'clock hour. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is going to join us. A little more talk about the uh, book that he penned with Lincoln Kennedy. And, uh, oof, rough uh, last 24 hours or so. Uh, sad passing in the world of entertainment and comedy. The phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co.